Right now, the old adage of real estate location, 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 now it's really sponsor, sponsor, sponsor. And so there's a huge degree of importance on being able to show a lender that you have a qualified sponsor, that have they been involved with this type of asset before. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you build financial independence through real estate investing and help you build wealth on Main Street. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Adam Finkel. Adam is an expert in commercial real estate and the debt and equity side that surrounds the commercial real estate world. Today, we're talking about the rising interest rate environment in which we find ourselves today and how commercial real estate and large commercial real estate investors and lenders are dealing with this rising interest rate world. Things that have happened to get us to where we are today and then looking into the future, who is maybe a little bit in trouble and who's gonna be well-suited to survive this rising interest rate world. We also talk about what Adam looks for in a deal, some red flags that he looks for, and so much more, a lot of great knowledge in this one. Commercial real estate investors, we love talking about our debt and equity. This is a great conversation to learn from. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, and to date I have acquired, invested in, partnered on, or otherwise had a hand in over $150 million of commercial real estate acquisitions. If you're interested in learning more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment, leave us a rating interview on Apple Podcast. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping Wall Street and building wealth on Main Street along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is Adam Finkel. We're talking commercial real estate investing and the debt and equity side that surrounds us as commercial real estate investors. Without any further ado, here we go. Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about what you do and how you participate in the real estate investing space? Sure. Hi, Taylor. Nice to speak with you. I'm excited to be on today. So my name is Adam Finkel. I am the principal and co-founder of a commercial real estate finance firm called Tower Capital based in Scottsdale, Arizona, where we serve as an intermediary between borrowers, owners, operators, developers, investors, and the capital markets. That could be debt, equity. We arrange capital from all different types of, of sources, including banks, credit unions, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, HUD, life companies, CMBS, debt funds, private equity groups, family offices. And so really just getting an understanding of the asset, what are the investment goals and objectives of our client in triangulating that with the best source of capital. Awesome. I love it. Today, I'd like to dig into your experience, your knowledge, your thoughts about the commercial real estate world, the investing world, and how it's reacting to this higher interest rate, rising interest rate environment, what that might mean for the future, what that means for us as, as real estate investors. So Let's take a little bit of a, a backward looking view, talk about 2021 and 2022, what happened in the commercial real estate space with interest rates, you know, 
being precipitously, you know, dropping and then starting to tick up in, in 2022? Sure. So obviously, you know, we're going through some significant changes in the commercial real estate world right now and really in the market cycle. We're we're coming off of a of one market cycle and we're entering into another market cycle. So coming out of COVID, the Federal Reserve kept interest rates extremely low. They were trying to support, you know, a healthy economy and fight the the upheaval that COVID brought on with, you know, issues with supply chain and, you know, the overall just sort of nervousness of the economy. So the Federal Reserve kept interest rates low in order to try to develop the economy. What happened was that caused values, commercial real estate values to increase significantly because it reduced cap rates and commercial real estate assets are valued based on their net operating income over a market capitalization rate. And so as the cap rates are reduced, values increase. And as cap rates go up, values decrease. So we had a very tight cap rate environment where values were inflated. And then the Federal Reserve decided to very quickly increase interest rates in order to fight inflation. And they they increased the interest rates very, very quickly. And that forced capitalization rates to increase very quickly. And that is having a serious effect on, you know, where commercial real estate values are pricing right now. And so that's causing a lot of investors and capital to sit on the sidelines as they're trying to figure out, you know, where will the interest rate settle? Where will the cap rate settle? And how do we, you know, price sets right now? So, you know, last year, end of last year, you know, fourth quarter, what we saw was a real reduction in the amount of capital available for commercial real estate transactions, both on the debt side and the equity side, the banks started to really, you know, wind down. They were pulling back from, you know, commercial real estate investment. Some of the larger banking institutions, B of A, Wells, Chase said they were no longer financing, you know, commercial real estate. And so that had an effect kind of down the chain on the, you know, regional and, and, and smaller community banks. Likewise, the private equity groups are having a hard time valuating assets as well, really not understanding where the interest rates are going to settle. And that's making it very challenging for both lenders and investors to underwrite these deals right now. So as deals have been happening, especially late last year, early this year, capital's tight, but I'm sure st things are still going on. How have investors dealt with those higher rates and maybe raising cap rates? Are they bringing more equity to the table? Are they looking for different equity sources? Like what has the, the solution been in general? Certainly. So really you need to look at, you know, what is the time horizon for the deal? Is it a short-term time horizon? Is it medium-term time horizon or is it a long-term time horizon? And so, you know, where the most challenged challenges lie right now are the shorter term time horizons where someone may have entered into a loan within the past couple of years. It was a short term loan and now that loan is coming due. And so, you know, where we're seeing that is on the construction side and on the value add side. So for, you know, construction loans, 
And then also these repositioning loans where it's a you know shorter overall time horizon. And, you know, the borrower is either going to, you know, sell the asset or they're going to refinance into, you know, longer to more permanent debt. And so for those investors, you know, they are seeing the most challenges right now because they entered into their loan when the market was very high, when cap rates were very low, when rates are very low. And now when they're supposed to be coming out of their loan, we're in a much different environment. So the property value is no longer going to be, you know, where they anticipated. And so, you know, for many of those groups, they are going to need to come in with, you know, some fresh equity in order to recapitalize their deal. You know, for the folks that have a longer term, you know, time horizon, you know, they can just go in with, you know, maybe a lower leverage loan. And, you know, when things get better, they can always refinance. They can add a supplemental loan, you know, onto their property as well. So if you're going and you're getting an agency loan, Fannie or Freddie, maybe you're not getting the leverage, you know, that you need today. Uh, maybe it's only coming in at, you know, 55, 60%, you know, but you can lock in, you know, financing now. And then as the market improves, you know, you could go back and always put on, you know, a secondary loan and, you know, increase your, your leverage that way, you know, for people that are sort of just in the middle of their, of their loan right now, and they don't really have, you know, a need to do anything. You know, a lot of those people are just, you know, sitting back and really, you know, we're in an environment where, you know, if you don't need to do anything, you know, you should probably just wait. So, you know, with some of our clients right now who maybe might be coming out of a bridge loan and they see that, you know, the long-term rates are higher than, you know, where they have been in the past. They don't want to lock anything in right now, but they do plan to hold the property long-term. You know, many of those um, borrowers are seeking, you know, shorter three to five-year, what we call mini perms from a bank or credit union where you can have some more prepayment flexibility, do what you need to do today. But then again, you know, kind of when the rates settle, values come back, it's a more opportune time to, you know, be refinancing. Then at that point, you can go and lock in your, you know, long-term permanent debt. Okay. So a lot of this discussion around debt and all of this has has really focused around when a loan is essentially coming due, what's somebody's option when their their loan is up and they need to find another solution, bring equity to the table or, or what have you. But also commercial real estate can often have interest rate loans that can mean that your debt service cost can go up pretty significantly in the middle of your loan period. What have you seen going on with with that, with variable interest rate loans? And I, I've heard tell of folks who have uncapped interest rate debt. So their <laughs> debt service cost has gone up significantly. It's been a big hit, but I just you know hear wind of that. What has your experience been around that? Yeah. So for folks that are in, you know, the unfortunate position where they do have, you know, a floating rate loan, they didn't purchase a interest rate cap. Most of those people are scrambling right now to try to lock in fixed rate debt. And so there are some bridge lenders that are out there, some debt funds and some other groups that can offer, you know, fixed rate, you know, that debt is not going to be cheap. You know, you're looking at typically, you know, right now for fixed rate, non-recourse, you know, higher leverage debt, you know, you're going to be looking at high single digits. But for those folks that, you know, didn't lock in anything and they've seen, you know, SOFR 
and these other other rates increase, you know, they're probably paying, you know, low double digits, right? So for someone to be able to, you know, lock in something of a single digit, at least they know it's locked in, it's for a short period of time, you know, that's what people are trying to do. You know, if the property is stable enough and it has some cash flow, potentially, you know, you could go and possibly replace that existing debt with, you know, a more traditional lender. But, you know, right now with with where cap rates are and how lenders are underwriting, you know, that's definitely challenging. So, you know, for some groups, you know, they're going to look to try to replace, you know, that existing debt with a fixed rate. But, you know, with others, they're probably going to be in a position where, you know, they may need to have a capital call and raise some additional funds to cover, you know, interest reserve costs or, you know, potentially, you know, other cost overruns. That's a difficult discussion to have, I'm sure. So when we talk about, you know, interest rates, they've been going up. Everybody wants to look into a, a crystal ball in a way and say, what do you see? What do you think is going to happen over the next one, two, three years? What is your thought about the trajectory of interest rates? Is the Federal Reserve going to keep hiking? Are they going to overdo it in one direction or the other? None of us really know for sure. So we'll preface it by saying that. But what are your thoughts about the future of interest rates? Yeah, I mean, you, the market seems to believe that the Federal Reserve is going to, you know, continue to increase the federal funds rate through the spring. Initially, a lot of the forward-looking yield curves had the federal funds rate maxing out in April at around four and a half percent. That was pushed out to May at five percent. I haven't checked, you know, the today or anything, but you know. As the Federal Reserve tries to fight inflation, you know, they're really looking at, you know, that inflation number. And as the inflation number comes out each month, you know, where are we? And they're using that as a barometer. So they've been increasing the rates to fight the inflation. The inflation wasn't coming down to the degree at which people were expecting. And so now they're expecting the Federal Reserve is going to continue to keep the rates elevated for a longer period of time. And that's why you saw that kind of forward curve being pushed out a bit. You know, it seems like there has been some relief with the inflation number. It has been coming down a little bit, but you know, I think that between the inflation and the jobs is really what they're looking at. So for now, I mean, I think everyone's expecting the rates are going to stay elevated through this year. At some point, you know, they'll probably level off mid year and stay elevated. And, you know, likely come down some point in 2024, but there's a very likely chance that, you know, they could stay elevated through 2024 and, you know, and then start to come down in, in 2025. So, you know, the Federal Reserve has a history of overshooting. And so, you know, where I think at the beginning of this, many folks kind of thought that, you know, they would jack the interest rates up quickly and then they would reduce them quickly. It seems like that lever hasn't had the effect that, you know, they were hoping for. So, you know, we could stay in a in an elevated interest rate environment for the, you know, sort of near to medium term. So you work with, you know, a lot of these big institutions that are, you know, getting into the commercial real estate space, but they have so many options for things that they can invest in. And I'm sure they are comparing commercial real estate with many, many other ways that they can invest these large pools of capital that they have. In, in your view, 
where do they see commercial real estate as an asset as it pertains to like risk these days and, and comparing it to, you know, they've got T-bills and so many other things that they can invest their capital in. What, what do they think about commercial real estate today and moving into the future? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Taylor. You're right. You know, the the, you know, liquidity in commercial real estate finance world depends on a lot of investors. You have these big private equity groups and, you know, large lending institutions that invest in, you know, these bonds that are based upon, you know, they're backed by commercial real estate. And so, you know, as commercial real estate as an asset class has gotten much riskier, we're seeing those groups turn their attention towards, you know, other areas where they could be investing in, such as, you know, high yield corporate debt, you know, treasury bonds, you know, people can get a lot more yield right now, you know, putting their money in different places where, you know, it could be much safer. So, you know, when you invest, your return is always, you know, it's risk and reward, right? So that has definitely had an effect on the amount of capital available to finance commercial real estate, as well as the pricing of of the loans and so you know when there's a lack of liquidity you know the cost to finance these deals is going to go up and it's going to have an effect on you know the values on returns and people's ability to transact and so you know right now we've seen a great reduction in transactional velocity as you know these groups who people have depended on for financing and for investment are sitting on the sidelines or, you know, they're looking elsewhere. So, you know, for instance, we still have, you know, a big undersupply of housing in many markets, you know, in many markets, you know, there wasn't enough homes being built following the great recession. And right now, what we're finding is that for the developers, it's extremely challenging for them to find capital for their projects. And so, you know, that's going to further have an effect of, you know, keeping supply, the supply of housing low and, you know, could possibly create a scenario where, you know, when interest rates do come down, eventually we might even have a bigger supply problem than we do now. And, you know, and, and things take the same issues that happen now could be amplified that. So, you know, the availability of capital is extremely important and as there's more transactional velocity and more liquidity in the marketplace that allows more deals to be done and vice versa. Right now we're seeing, you know, a big contraction in that regard. Okay. Okay. So today as you're, you know, getting folks coming to you, looking for capital and you know, all that presenting deals to you, looking for your assistance, when you look at a, a business plan or an underwriting package for say a new acquisition, is there anything in your mind that you're like a, like a big red flag that you're looking for? Maybe a couple of them that when you see them, you're just like, this person has no idea what they're doing or they're headed down the wrong path or things that are just like, you know, I'm not going to touch this with a, a 10 foot pole today. Yeah. Well, you know, for, for us at Tower Capital, we always seek to work with, you know, experienced investors. And, you know, when I'm speaking with a potential new client, you know, I'm asking them about their background, what's their experience level. You know, do they have any, you know, skeletons in the closet? Have they filed BK? You know, right now, you know, the old adage of, of real estate location, location, location. Now it's really sponsor, sponsor, sponsor. And so, 
there's a huge, you know, there's, there's a huge degree of importance on being able to show a lender, you know, that you have a qualified sponsor that, you know, have they been involved with this type of asset before? Have they done any deals in this market? You know, who is the team that they're using? Who's their property management company? If it's a ground up development, who's their GC? Who's their architect? What are their qualifications? Have all these people worked together before? So there's a huge degree of focus on that. And then also on the market itself. And, you know, lenders want to see market studies. They don't, they want to see legitimate market studies. They don't just want to know that, you know, you ran a, you know, you had some local investment sales broker run a report for you and they're showing, you know, what the big deal is. I mean, you know, they want to see serious market studies that show supply and demand, the pipeline of such, you know, and the strength of that market, you know, to really understand, you know, the strength of the deal and be comfortable, you know, with the transaction. And so, you know, other things that are focused on for the sponsor is, you know, what is their net worth and liquidity as well? You know, typically the lenders want to see a net worth equal to or greater than the loan amount. They want to see, you know, liquidity, typically at least 10% of the loan amount. If it's a construction project, it may be more, you know, the borrower doesn't always have to qualify on their own. You know, they could always bring in a partner that maybe has a larger balance sheet that, you know, that they could utilize. So there's different ways to acquiesce to, you know, the lender's needs, you know, but there's a huge focus right now on, you know, the sponsor, what have they done, what's going on in the market. And then, you know, of course, you know, right now, as far as the numbers go, you know, most sponsors just need to understand that, you know, we're in a lower leverage environment right now. And so you're not, you know, necessarily going to be going out and getting, you know, 75 to 80% LTV. It's going to be closer to 60, 65% LTV. So you need to, or even less. So, you know, you need to really understand that going forward and, and really know what kind of market we're in and, you know, be prepared for that. Wow. Wow. Okay. Great. All right. So the, the, the sponsor's experience being a huge part of it. I think something that is really interesting to me, just as a general comment on, on what you said, is before or when I was first getting into commercial real estate investing myself, you hear a lot of this talk about how lenders look at the property, not the borrower, and they, they people tend to make it sound like it almost doesn't matter who you are, it just matters what the property is. And then in reality, they're actually looking at things like your net worth, your liquidity, your experience. So I, that's just one of the big kind of big pieces of misinformation out there, frankly, about the commercial real estate investing space that I feel, I don't know why people insist on not being honest about that. You know, they are looking at the borrower. Maybe it's not the the most important part, but it's still like very important who the borrower is. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, even, you know, people don't realize, I mean, you know, you look at, you know, what are the most utilized sources of financing for multifamily, right? And multifamily is, has the most velocity and it's, you know, the most sought after commercial real estate investment asset class right now. Well, that's the agencies. That's Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Well, you know, if you're a, you know, if you're a newer investor and this is your first time buying an, a small apartment building and you go and try to do a small balance Freddie Mac loan, you know, they're putting you through the rear. It's, you know, it can be very challenging to actually do your first one. Your first one 
is the most difficult, you know, but as you get more under your belt, it becomes easier and easier. And so, you know, it's, it, it, and it partly comes down to what is the situation, you know, am I, is this a value add property where I have some kind of business plan that I have to be more hands on to effectuate? Or, you know, is this a, someone's buying a Walgreens with a 10 year lease and, you know, it's a coupon clipper, obviously, you know, with scenario A, there's going to be much more focus on what's their experience level, what's their business plan, who, you know, what, who's doing the project management, all of these things. Whereas, you know, with the single tenant, you know, net lease deal, it really is just the property. And then the lenders making sure that, you know, the, the bar again has a net worth that's equal to or greater than the loan amount has some minimum liquidity, has some minimum, you know, credit score, you know, those types are, it's a little bit more standard. Nice. Nice. I love it. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Adam, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I think I am. (laughs) All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Sure. The best investment I ever made was, I would say it was probably a value add multifamily project here in Phoenix, where I invested alongside a, one of my clients who is a very experienced commercial real estate value add owner operator. And, you know, I had the opportunity to invest with him, I think within a two and a half year period, she, you know, gave me like three and a half X on my money. So that worked out pretty well. You know, I think that folks, there's a lot of, you know, see a lot of different opportunities when it comes to investing in commercial real estate. You know, there's a lot of people out there raising money, you know, for these deals. And I think it's important for people to understand, you know, what is the background of, of the person that they're investing with? What's their track record? And, you know, so fortunately for me in my occupation, I have the ability to see a lot of deals and I start to learn who's good and who's not good. And, you know, if I'm lucky enough, the good ones will allow me to invest, you know, as a passive, you know, limited partner investor. And, you know, that that's what I try to do in building my own wealth through commercial real estate, right? And that's part of, you know, what this podcast is about, right? So I'm out there, I'm hustling, you know, I earn a living off of making fee income. So each deal that I close, I earn a fee, but how do I really build wealth? For me, it's investing in commercial real estate and in real estate. And so for me, I have these opportunities to invest alongside my clients. And then I just continue to roll that money, roll that money, roll that money in, into other projects and, and really try to build my nest egg that way. So probably that was the best investment. I would say the worst investment would probably, let me ask the question. Love that. I love that. I love you're getting ahead of me. I love it though. 
Uh, we had your best investment. Now we go to the other side of the coin for the listeners that haven't heard the show before. We'll just you know acknowledge them. What is the worst investment you ever made? You're already ready to go. I know you know it. Sure. The, the worst investment I ever made was investing in a condominium fix and flip here in Phoenix where I invested with someone that wasn't experienced. I didn't do enough research on it. They weren't effect, able to effectuate their business plan and I lost my investment. So that was probably the worst. That's rough. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? For me, I think the most important, so business and investing, I think, you know, one of the most important lessons for me is it, in business, really, it's just acting with integrity. It's being, you know, forthcoming, open and honest with people and, you know, not beating around the bush and, you know, just trying to do right by people because, you know, in the end, that always comes back to me. And so, you know, there's been times when I feel like I've taken the shorts on something one or the other, but, you know, ultimately, you know, I always want to feel like I've done the right thing and, you know, no one's going to say anything negative about me. I don't want to burn any bridges. So, you know, for me in business, that approach has, you know, done very well for investing. What I would say is it, I think it's important for investors to understand what their time horizon is. Is it short term, medium term and long term? And then, you know, specifically when it, when it comes to commercial real estate, making sure that you are aligning your financing with the, you know, correct time horizon that your investment is for. So if it's a shorter term investment horizon, you don't want to lock in a 10 year fixed rate Fannie loan, even though it's non-recourse and it's a cheap rate because you're, you could have an extremely large prepayment penalty. You know, likewise, if it's a longer term, you don't want something short term, then it comes up and then you're trying to figure out what to do. So really, you know, matching, you know, your financing with the with the time horizon of your of your investment, I think is is extremely important. Awesome. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us today, sharing all these lessons. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down? Sure. Everyone can visit our website at www.towercapllc.com or feel free to email me at adam at towercapllc.com. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content. You're escaping Wall Street and you're building wealth on Main Street along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.